Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to St. Paul's Episcopal Church and to the 2020 Lenten Lunch series. My name is Charlie Dupree, and I'm the rector here at St. Paul's. And it's a pleasure to welcome you to this event, which uh, does so much to bring our community together. The theme of our series this year is Leaning into Love, and it's pretty self-explanatory. I feel like we live in a time when it is important to make that effort to be intentional about how we come together in love, especially in the midst of diversity. So our speakers are going to be speaking into that theme from their own stories, from their own contexts. Our speaker today is the Right Reverend Jennifer Brooke Davidson. And you know, the word authenticity is used a lot in the church these days. And I knew from the first moment that I heard Bishop Brooke Davidson speak that she's the real deal. So it's a great to have her here to uh, begin our series. We're going to move into a time of prayer, and then we're going to sing a hymn. And during that hymn, we'll take up a collection, and those monies will go towards supporting this speaking series. So let us begin. As you're able, you're invited to stand. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving spirit may so move every human heart, and especially the hearts of the people of this land and this city, that barriers which divide us may crumble, that suspicions would disappear, that hatreds would cease, that our divisions being healed, we may live in justice and peace and help all of your people flourish and thrive. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn is found in the red hymnal in the Purack in front of you. Hymn 657. 657.
Come, O living God, and fill the hearts of all who seek you in all your names. Set us on fire with your love, and we will be created, and together we will renew the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Lean in and eat that frog. I know you think this is about souffles. <laughs> we'll get to the frog in a minute. That expression, lean in, became popular in 2013 when Sheryl Sandberg published a book. She's the chief operating officer of Facebook, and she published a book called Lean In, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead. She told her own story and encouraged other women to lean in, to dare, to push ahead, to play hard. The chapters have titles like, What Would You Do If You Weren't Afraid?, Sit at the table. It isn't a ladder, it's a jungle gym. (laughs) Leaning in is not for the faint of heart. So lean into love. Feels a little counterintuitive at first to combine love with hard-charging business concepts like lean in. What's love got to do with it? Well, it's the season of Lent. A season of heightened religiosity for many. I am a follower of Jesus of Nazareth, and he had a lot to say about love. When people asked him what the important laws were, he said, love. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, quoting from Deuteronomy. Love your neighbor as yourself, quoting from Leviticus. And when he was cross-examined by a lawyer about just who his neighbors were, our neighbors are, he told the story of the kindness of a man from a neighboring culture that the Jewish people found most disagreeable, a Samaritan. Jesus never said a lot about what we think of first when we think of love, our sweetheart, our spouse, our family, our children. He spent most of his public life extending love to people whose very presence most people considered unsavory, if not downright unsafe. Homeless panhandlers, deranged and possessed people, foreigners, hookers, dishonest government agents, soldiers of occupying forces, little kids, watermen, the unproductive, the sick, the outcast, the bleeding, and people who smelled like they died three days ago. (laughs) Love your neighbor, he said, as I have loved you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your enemies. Yeah, those people. All of a sudden, lean in starts to make sense. What does it look like to lean in when you aren't Jesus? Well, our text today is the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10. It's Luke's chronicle of what the apostles did in the years just after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus of Nazareth. And it's a whole story. So I am going to give you the abridged Brooke Davidson translation of this passage. As chapter 10 opens, Simon Peter, Jesus' closest friend, is down at the coast at Joppa, staying at a friend's house. Up the coast in Caesarea, there's a Roman centurion named Cornelius who's living there with his family. He is not Jewish, but he's intrigued by and very respectful of the God of Israel. 
Cornelius is then visited by an angel of the Lord who instructs him to send for Peter. And terrified by this vision, Cornelius dispatches messengers right away to Joppa. Meanwhile, back in Joppa, Peter is out sunning on the roof when he gets hungry. And somebody's fixing him lunch, and suddenly he falls into a trance. And he says he sees something that's like a sheet coming down out of the heavens. And on the sheet are four-footed animals and reptiles and birds... And the voice of the Lord says to him, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter refuses because there are a lot of non-kosher animals in there, like snakes and frogs. And Peter is a careful and observant Jew. But the Lord says to him, what I have declared clean, you must not call unclean. What I have declared clean, you must not call unclean. If I ask you to go somewhere and eat something, do it. Even a frog. And Peter understands that this declaration applies not just to food, but to people. So as Peter is coming back to himself, the messengers from Cornelius arrive. Peter goes up to Corinth. He is warmly welcomed, but he says to Cornelius, you know, Jewish law prohibits me from even coming here. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone, and there he says anyone, not anything, I should not call anyone profane or unclean. And then he asked Cornelius, why would you send for me? And Cornelius said, I want to hear what you have to say. And Peter tells him, I have learned in a vision that God shows no partiality. Every nation, anyone who worships God and does what is right is acceptable to God. This is very new. Very new. What is acceptable to God? Love others. Love your enemy. Peter then shares with Cornelius his experience of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes upon the whole group, his whole household. And then Peter sees this and does something that changes the world. He baptizes Cornelius and his household. The first non-Jewish people to be baptized into the Jesus movement. Forgetting all his fears, crossing all kinds of boundaries, Peter, for the love of God and for the world, metaphorically, ate the frog. So let's put Jesus, the Jesus kind of boundary-crossing, radically inclusive love, and the story of Peter and Cornelius and the declaration that all foods and all people are acceptable to God, put them together with Sheryl Sandberg's idea of lean in and see what we get. I'm going to assume that you showed up here today. If you did, you're on board with the idea that love makes the world a better place. That more love is always better. Some of us even understand love as a way into the heart of God into eternal life, whatever that might look like. So if more love changes the world for the better, then widening the circle of love is a critical path to the healing and wholeness and redemption and remaking of the world into the place that God intends it to be. Are we generally agreed about that? Generally agreed about that. Just want to know how. (laughs) So in Lean In, the first question Sandberg asks is, what would you do if you weren't afraid? What would you do if you weren't afraid? Peter was afraid of angering God by flouting the law, by hanging out with people who did not follow the law, of which the dietary laws were emblematic. This is a very normal and understandable, reasonable fear. 
And it may be that Peter was afraid of getting crosswise with the fellow apostles and with his friends and family back home. He may have been afraid of messing up the whole Jesus movement, which, if you know Peter from the Gospels, is also not unreasonable. But Peter loved Jesus passionately, and he really wants to get this right. Jesus never said anything about throwing out all the dietary laws, a few hints, maybe, in the way Jesus challenged some rules. But overall, Jesus and his followers have always been observant, respectful, and righteous. The whole movement has followed those laws. I can only imagine that the instructions to kill and eat from a sheet full of quadrupeds, reptiles, and birds evoked a visceral response in Peter. But it seems that Peter understood that God wanted to reach Cornelius and all the other lost sheep not of the sheepfold of Israel more than he wanted to keep things clean. And Peter is willing to risk a trip into spiritually dangerous territory for the love of God. He goes. The Spirit comes. The realm of God expands. It's like the singularity that started the universe. It just explodes into this movement that becomes, over time, billions of people, including many of us, whose ancestors do not originate in Israel. It changed the world. So if we're going to lean into love, we have to get really honest, I think, about this fear issue. What keeps us, really, from going to the places other people inhabit and reaching out in love? Bishop Rob Wright of Atlanta commented recently that the church, specifically the Episcopal Church, can sometimes have a tendency to let fear masquerade as a strong concern for order. Yeah. (laughs) We can get swept up in worrying about how to do it right without a lot... I can hear some anger. I mean, not anger, anxiety rising. We can do that without a lot of analysis of why we've always done it that way. Which parts of our worship tradition, for example, carry theological meaning that actually transcends specific time and place, and which are simply cultural traditions and habits that we want the church, which tends to move slowly, to preserve for us. I'm guessing that Episcopalians and even Christians might not be alone in this. When we think like that, when we just follow and don't look outside that, we miss out on expanding the reach of love. When the way we do things is not only inscrutable to other people, it locks us in a cage of our own making. We become fearful of venturing out. And when that's true in our faith communities, it may also be generally true in our lives. The reason I love the story of Peter and Cornelius is that the conscious, rational explanation for Peter's reluctance, the Jewish purity laws is wrapped in this visceral, universal fear that I think we can all relate to. You want me to eat what? Reptiles? Reptiles? How often are we held back from love when we need or even want to lean in by that kind of fear? Am I afraid of your food? I don't understand your music. 
the table manners that I know about don't match up with what you're doing. I don't get what messages embedded in the clothes we're wearing really communicate. In fact, I'm terrified by the whole topic of code switching, that is, knowing what words and expressions to use with you and wondering about interpreting the meaning of the ones you use with me. I'm even more terrified that I might say something that you would take as an insult, maybe sexist or racist or some ist I don't even know about yet. I'm afraid I'll look bad. I'm afraid I might lose status if I hang out with you. I'm afraid some of your weirdness might rub off on me. That's fear. However we dress it up. That's what Peter felt. And that's why Christ's command to overcome fear, to lean into love, to eat the frog, changes the world. Sandberg's next step in leaning in after we name what we would do if we weren't afraid, is this. Sit at the table. She meant, show up, take your place with others, bring your A game. You have just as much right to be there as anybody else. And her point is both literal and metaphorical. Sit at the table. In the story of Peter and Cornelius, sitting at the table is both literal and metaphorical. Jesus did most of his important work at the table. To the dismay of the fearful, he sat down at dinner with all kinds of socially unacceptable people at their place. He sat down to dinner with his closest followers on the night before he died, sharing the bread and the wine in a ritual that Christians all over the world still participate in regularly. It was all at the table. And Peter catches on following Jesus' example and taking it to the next level. Peter did not say to Cornelius, Well, you come to my house and you can share my bread. He accepted the invitation to go where people do things differently. So this is not a story about inviting them to join us because we've got it right. It's about accepting the invitation to go and sit down with them, whoever that may be, and venture into other cultures, other worlds. And Sandberg said, when you do sit down, show up. Of course it's important to listen. Peter first asked Cornelius why he was invited. But then we're to share the hope that we have. What is it? What are the beliefs and core values that give us life and joy? We're called to share those. Peter didn't threaten anybody. He didn't argue that Cornelius was wrong about anything. Out of love, Peter shared what was precious to him. And it was received with joy. That's very different from cramming our ideas down other people's throats. And I would say that we might ask ourselves when we say that phrase I've heard through my whole life, whether we are finding another proper-sounding mask for our fears. When the exchange is mutual, when trust is built, when relationships are forged, the world is changed. It's no different when you lean into love. The last piece of guidance I'll share from Sandberg is simple. It isn't a ladder. It's a jungle gym. She was talking about career advancement and how impossible it is to plan a career path these days. Her point was that we have to be nimble and responsive to changing circumstances and opportunities. It's no different 
when we lean in to love. In a poignant scene in the TV comedy Grace and Frankie, yeah, somebody else likes it, Grace is moving out after her husband has asked for a divorce. And she finds a gift-wrapped box addressed to her, and she opens it, and it's a very fine piece of jewelry. And she says, isn't that just like him? Well, I'm going to keep this. And then she looks down and realizes that it's a whole carton full of pre-wrapped gifts with pre-marked tags. And the tags say things like, to Grace, happy birthday. To Grace, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And she realizes that her husband has made a trip to the jewelry store to stock up for a year's worth of events and mistakes. And these are not gifts bought in the upwelling of love. They're a strategy to benefit him. And she leaves the whole carton in the house. Love is not a ladder. We can't force our way up it. It's a jungle gym. To love is to see, to respond, to accommodate, to share, to serve, to forgive, and to do all of those things when it's hard. Because, you know, it's them. To love like Jesus is to love your family, your friends, your neighbors, your enemies, to swing around the jungle gym of this world, making sure that people know that they are seen, that they are heard, that they are cared about, that they are cared for, that anyone is acceptable in the family of God. It isn't a strategy. It's a relinquishment of control over outcomes in the service of the hearts of other people. If you're wondering where in our busy lives we're going to find the time for all this, Eat the Frog is the title of another business book by Brian Tracy, specifically about time management, and his principle is simple. Do the hard thing first. So you eat the frog first thing in the morning, the rest of the day is easy. (laughs) The point is, don't piddle your precious life away doing the easy things and walking around in the same circle, fretting about what might happen or what people might say when what is at stake is love. Love crosses chasms. Love brings down walls Love ends arm races. Love conquers hunger and injustice and oppression. Love heals wounds and brings repentance and forgiveness. Love turns the tide of history. Love changes, redeems, and remakes this world. If you want that, lean into love and eat that frog. I've been asked to offer a blessing is that we're doing next so I'm honored to do that the Lord bless you and keep you may God make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may God lift up God's countenance upon you and give you peace this day and forevermore amen and Lord bless the food to our use and us to your service Amen.